Welcome to the Retirement Transition Podcast, where we help you prepare for and make the retirement jump. I'm your host and retirement transition specialist, Carl Wolston. I'm the founder of Thrive Retirement Planning, and this podcast was created to help you prepare for and transition successfully into retirement. On the show, we talk all about reducing worry and anxiety about retirement, getting answers on when to take Social Security and how to maximize your benefit, decide how we're going to replace your income take steps to protect and grow your investments, and then turn those investments into income, and of course, ethically reduce your retirement taxes. Now, welcome to the show. I have a great show for you uh, today. Today's an interesting show as we talk about specifically eight essential steps to preparing for the retirement jump. And many times, shows are like one topic, and then we go deep into that topic. This show is kind of a combination of what I see over and over again on a lot of the steps we need to put together. So I'm excited to kind of paint a a bird's eye or step above the trees, so to speak, and look out over the forest to determine. It's almost like if you're in a maze and if you're down at the maze level and you're running through the maze, it's very, very hard to see what's going on. But today what I want to do is pull you above the maze and to say, hey, here's the eight key areas that if you put plans together in these areas, if you start to strategically strategically think how these areas are going to come together, it's going to make a large, large impact for, for you and help you transition not only much more effectively, but also much more confidently. And that's really a, a big key part of this. I was talking to some to individuals last week in my office. I'm putting some plans together for the transition into retirement. And we talked about how retirement is, certainly there's this financial side, which we often, when we think of financial or retirement, we think that it's these financial decisions, but it's just as much so an emotional side because you have to reinvent yourself after you retire. You have to be thinking about ooh, how do I not make mistakes? And there's an, a whole emotional component involved with that about getting the brain to to stop stressing, to know that you're okay. So you can go on vacation, have fun, spend some money that you've saved and invested. So today, let's hop into these. Uh, without further ado, the eight specific steps in preparing for the retirement jump. And number one on my list is have a plan on how you're going to make this transition. And really, uh, there's three questions I'd suggest writing down on this is one, and yet you want to get to the point where you can answer these and then answer them confidently is one, do you have a plan? Two, do you understand it? Because there's plans you can create that are 80 page plans that just look at the financial numbers. But just because you have a plan doesn't mean you've addressed all the key areas that a plan should include. For example, healthcare, and what am I going to do with Medicare? And what am I going to do with uh, income planning? And what am I, you know, there's all these different types of, uh, you know, what should I do with my pension? What should I do with Social Security? But you can run numbers, and uh, some uh, financial advisors just do that. They run the numbers and say, you're going to be okay. Meanwhile, their clients are still stressing about this and stressing about the transition because there's all these unanswered questions because it's not just a financial thing. So we have this, 
What is the plan? Uh, do you have a plan? Do you understand it? And does it give you confidence? Do you like, uh, I call it passing the pillow test where you can lay down at night and you're not thinking about your finances despite what's going on with the market. So if the market's way down, you're still like, I, I'm, I'm good. My plan's covered, covering all these things. And so I find for the retirement transition, there's three specific plans that need to be put in place. Now, there's more than these overall in a, in a long-term financial plan, but I find that there's three key ones that need to be put in place. Is One is an income plan. You know, How are you going to replace your income? The second is you know, an investment plan or what I call a bucket plan. Is It's giving every asset a job. It's, it's starting to think about the, the purpose of your investments isn't just to grow. Uh, they're the purpose of these investments now is to do a, m- a number of other things, uh, creating income, uh, healthcare, uh, et cetera, safety. And then the third type of plan is a, a tax plan. How do you minimize taxes long-term, not just looking back at the last year, but looking forward over the next 30 years? What should you do? Should you have Roth IRAs? Should you do – what should you require for your RMDs, required minimum distributions as you get older and you're forced to take out of tax-deferred accounts? And the the third part of having a plan is is as you if you're working already with an advisor, do you, do you has that given you confidence? Uh, because I, I sit down with individuals all the time who have worked or have worked with multiple advisors, and they're just really unconfident about the retirement transition. And many times that's tied to a retirement transition specialist or is someone who deals every day with the transition into retirement is kind of like a, a heart surgeon in the medical field in terms of if you went to your general practitioner to to just uh, get, I have a heart problem and I need this solved, the general practitioner is going to refer you to the, to the heart surgeon because they're a specialist in that. And in the financial services field, you can have Advisors who are really good at growing money does that, but that doesn't mean they're really good at the transition into retirement, and they they deal with that every day. So make sure you're with a specialist uh, that can help you put these plans together for uh, that we've talked about for replacing your income and what to do with safety and growth and giving every asset a job, and then third uh, is really uh, minimizing taxes long-term. So that's what I talk about with having a plan. All right, so let's go into number two in preparing for the retirement jump. Number two is know how you're going to replace your income. And a good place to start with this is to realize how much you're spending now. And I know that can be a daunting task for some. Some people know it to the T. Others I sit down with really don't have an insight on that. So the biggest and the best way to to dig into this is to find out what your net income is per month. So don't worry about your gross income, but look about at your net income and what's coming into the bank and then what's happening with that money on a monthly basis. Are you spending all of it? Uh, how much of it are you spending? Are you saving some of it? And because that's going to tell you a good idea of if you really want a comfortable retirement, uh, continue spending what you've been spending. Now, that isn't always possible with the assets that are, you have and Social Security and the pieces of the puzzle. Sometimes uh, I've been able to help people retire where they're going to have more income than they had during their actual earning years. So it really depends on kind of what your goals are, what you're trying to achieve. But knowing what you're going to do with your pensions Knowing what you're going to, you know, and what those pensions are. For example, if you're single and you're going to take a pen, a pen, your pension, uh, should you should you go into the private marketplace 
and use an, uh, something as an alternative if you can. Maybe you can get a, you know, roll that uh, cash balance out of the pension that you're going to get, and you you can look and shop, for example, in the private marketplace for an, an annuity um, that works very similar, except if you were to pass away, for example, it would have, um, if you do the right ones, they can have a cash balance for you. Because uh, many uh, pensions, if you take them from your workplace, they do not have a cash balance if you were to pass away. So you're on your dream trip to Italy, something happens to you, your kids, your beneficiaries don't get any additional cash. They don't uh, get that death benefit because there just isn't one in many of those pensions. So what options are you going to be taking around your income? And if you have a 401k balance and you have Social Security, how much money can you take out of the 401k without running out? Uh, what do you do to manage sequence of return risk? Meaning if the market is down by 20 or 30 percent, do you still sell those investments and sell them at a loss to create the income you need on a monthly basis? So how do you manage all that? So that's number two is know how you're going to replace your income to get you – uh, similar net income if possible, but then managing, okay, where's that going to come from? Maximizing pension options, maximizing those decisions, as well as social security decisions, as well as what we're going to do with the 401k and how what percent we're going to pull out and how those, that money needs to be invested so we can pull it out to manage the sequence of return risk. So number three on the list in the essential steps to preparing for the retirement jump is make smart social security decisions. You know, I've sat down with hundreds of families now one-on-one -on -one, about their social security decisions. It's something I deal with all the time in making those key decisions. Should we take early? Should we take late? If you're married, is there going to be a spousal benefit or are you going to take on your own record? Kind of weighing all those options and looking at, you know, when should we start these? And then aligning that with health your overall health and where you're at. Should you retire earlier because you're healthy, because uh, you're not healthy? Should you uh, claim Social Security at the same time? For example, uh, many people think that retirement equals Social Security, meaning you take those on the same timeline. But many times you could retire earlier, a phase into retirement, maybe work a part-time job, let Social Security continue to cook and grow. Sometimes you could retire earlier, take from a 401k for a while while you let Social Security grow. So there's a variety of Social Security decisions that need to make. you need to make. It's not just a 62 and 70 decision. And you don't want to make the decisions for Social Security in a vacuum, meaning what you have in your 401k will impact your Social Security decisions. If you have a pension, that will impact your Social Security decisions. What your health has been, what you think your longevity is going to be will impact your social security decision. So all those just are really, really pivotal. Number four on the list of essential steps to making the retirement jump is to give every asset a job. And I mentioned this earlier, but what I specifically mean by this is I'd like you to imagine three buckets side by side. And these are in, in your timeline from left to right. And what we do is we have a now bucket. The now bucket is like uh, we put money into this is like your emergency savings. So if you have 20 or 30 or $100,000 in savings, okay, that's the, that's in that bucket because it's money we can get to at any time. If I needed money, that's why we call it the now bucket. I can go get it now. The other thing that go in the now money is your income that's coming in. In retirement, that would be your Social Security. If you have a pension, that would be your pension. 
And once those all get turned on, those go in those now buckets and you know exactly how much money you have. And then you may have an income gap where you have to pull from some other money. And what we call this the, the second bucket or the soon bucket. So the second bucket, the soon bucket is on a 10-year timeline, meaning it's money we're going to need in the next 10 years. And when you give every asset a, a job, you say, what money am I going to need in the next 10 years for a couple of things? This is our uh, conservative money. Uh, in this bucket two, in this soon bucket. It's also money that we would need to help replace income. So we'd send this over to bucket one on a monthly uh, basis to help you replace your income, for example. Also in this, in terms of giving it a job, is money that we're going to need for and want for fun. I, I Generally, what I do is I break up retirement into three big sections. One is the go-go years, which can be just generally speaking, the first 10 years of retirement. Then we have the next 10 years, which are the slow go, because we start slowing down uh, due to health and just not going as many places. And then we go into the no-go years, which is the last 10 years of retirement, which is just the health starts to fail. We just can't go anywhere. So as we break this down, what we want to start saying is, how during these go-go years do we have access to funds? I call it a fund bucket. And that's one of the purposes when we give every asset a job in this conservative bucket, in this second bucket, in this soon bucket that we're going to need in the next 10 years. It's going to have several purposes. One is to be conservative and protected. The second is to replace income. And the third is to have fun. You want to plan for having fun. So many times people don't have a plan, so they never plan for the fun or they never move the money forward into the timeline. So during the first 10 years, when you have the most freedom you're ever going to have, you have the most fun you're going to ever have and you create the memories. I call it living the or leaving the legacy that you want to to leave behind. It's not just about leaving behind money and dumping it onto the people you love. It's about enjoying the money you've saved with the people that you love while you're around. Now, that's called living a legacy. Now, it's, it's amazing when we do that. Now, the third bucket or the third dollar, third way we give every asset a job is in this third bucket, we call it the later bucket. And this is money we're going to need in the next 10 plus years. And so we may, uh, this is more growth-minded money that... Now, the purpose of it is growth. We have health care in here. We could do tax planning with Roth conversions in this. We can also save it for the future future needs like, such as uh, long-term or extended health care reasons. And so once we start, rather than in many times with our investments, we're thinking about growing the money, right? When we're in the earning years, the goal of our money is to grow it. And that's the job we've given it. But then all of a sudden, when we move into the retirement years and get ready for the retirement jump five to 10 years before we retire, the things that I've highlighted here in giving every asset a job with our investments is we want to make sure we have emergency funds. We want to make sure we have safety with a portion of our investments so that we don't have to sell our investments for a loss to replace our income. That's a purpose. We want to be able to have fun buckets that's a purpose of it. And in, in our third bucket or the later bucket, we want to be able to 
look at health care and extended health care, Roth conversions, passing on money to a legacy. So there's all of a sudden all these purposes for our money once we get into or get ready to retire, not just to grow it. Number five on our list of preparing for the retirement jump is to lower your lifetime retirement tax bill. So if you take a given tax bill on a, on a, on a given year once you're in retirement and you extend that over all of your retirement years, that's what we're calling the lifetime retirement tax bill. And whatever you have in your 401k or IRA or, or TSP, anything that's a tax deferred account that has not been taxed yet, Uncle Sam is going to get his piece of the pie. And the question I have for you, are taxes going up? Are they going to be the same or are they going to be lower in the future years? Most people I talk to believe that taxes are going up in the future. Just be tied logically to the way the government has been spending money. And if that's the case, then if you're expecting, okay, Uncle Sam's going to take 22% of my 401k or IRA, what happens if he... If Uncle Sam changed that to 25, 26, 27. So it can be really advantageous not to convert necessarily all the money, but to be tax smart and to hedge that risk and to diversify your tax base and getting some money through done through Roth conversions. Now, it doesn't always make sense to do Roth conversions in the year that you're at. We want to look for windows of opportunity between 60 and 73. And there's a variety of, you know, we're not going to, this show is not about this, how to lower the lifetime retirement tax bill, but I want to make sure that that's on your radar, that that's something you're proactively doing and that whoever you're working with, whether you're do it self or with your planner, or you're working with me, that we look at that, that 60 to 73 and we start making some very proactive decisions on how we're going to lower the lifetime retirement tax bill. Number six is understand your Medicare and extended health care options. So, you know, you have Medicare at 65 that you can take. You have your Part A. You also have Part B, uh, which should you take it at 65? Should you not? Sometimes you're covered through workplace, and that's what we call creditable coverage, where there's more than 20 employees on that plan. So you're not needing to sign up for Part B, but you really want to verify that and talk to a Medicare expert about that. Uh, should you take supplemental coverage, which has all sorts of benefits for certain families? Uh, what is the impact on starting Medicare and if you're contributing to an HSA? There's some definite things that are flagged there that create some discord um, if you start Medicare and you're wanting to continue contributing to an HSA. So be careful on that. My point is, look at your Medicare options, also your extended health care options. So down the road, uh, you know, the irony is most people think they're not going to need extended health care. They're not going to need any kind of nursing assistance. But the irony is when you look at the statistics, most people will need. So there's a big discord. So what you have to decide is with the assets that you do have, how are you going to pay for it? I think if you're doing logical planning and proactive planning, you have to look at it and say, how am I going to pay for this? And there's two options. Really, one is you can transfer risk to an insurance company with some type of long-term care policy. There's a, a variety of way of types of policies that can be used for this. The other way you can do this is say, I'm going to self-insure. But if you're self-insuring, you want to make sure in that third bucket that I was talking about, that later bucket that we're not going to need for 10 or more years, we want to make sure we've we've budgeted a portion of healthcare options so that if you need extended healthcare one year and you need 
a nursing assistance of $5,000 a month, for example, coming in and helping out in your own home, and so you're not reliant on your kids and you don't become a burden on them, what you really want to do is say, I have a budget for this and this is where it's coming from and I've been budgeting it for a long time. Okay, number seven on the list of preparing for the retirement jump is to begin with your legacy in mind. And what I mean by this is how much do you want to leave behind for your children? A lot of people I talk to, and this is by, for, for me here in, uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, just north of Salt Lake, where I have an office in Salt Lake and, a, and an office north of Salt Lake. But the folks that I sit down with on a regular basis, individuals and families, many of them say if they get the house, that's enough. Um, some want to give more to the kids, and that's great. We not need to plan for that. But my point is to simply say you start with the, the end in mind, start with the legacy in mind, meaning how much do you want to give to your kids? And if the, if the purpose of your money and your assets, you're saying if, they get, if the kids divide up the house, that's going to be good. So what you want to do then, what that allows you to do is you don't have to keep all of your money, especially if you've budgeted for health care and taking care of your extended health care issues and have money set aside for that, other money can be moved forward in the timeline to let you play and do things earlier. But you want to make sure you're not pulling too much forward because if you spend it, you're going to run out of money. So there's a real balance here. But once you start with your legacy in mind and you're very intentional about what you want to do and the way you're going to leave the legacy, and, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, I really believe in living the legacy you want to live. How can you create experiences with the people you love and go places with the people you love and maybe help them with college education or maybe help them with uh, opportunities that you didn't have and you want to help them move forward? So once you do that, then you can move stuff earlier in the timeline and it gives you in that second bucket or the soon bucket, it allows you to then say, oh, I want more money in my fund bucket or I want more income on a monthly basis the rest of my life. So it allows you to push the timeline forward when you start with the legacy in mind. Number eight on this list of eight essential steps to preparing for the retirement jump is to recognize that then retire that retirement is much more than about the money. I call these the four foundations of retirement wealth. And the first thing, the first foundation is finance. We got to get our finances in place. We got to have the plan in place. We need to know what we're going to do with our money. But then the second F is what are we going to do with our freedom? As a client of mine recently said, you have to retire to something and not just from something, meaning you're not just going to retire from the job and then sit in front of the TV. If you do that, Life is going to – your body and your health and all your mental faculties, those things will downgrade very quickly. So what are you going to retire to? Some people want to continue to work. Some people take on part-time stuff. Some people love woodworking and have a shop and they're going to really do all these projects that they've been doing. Uh, people with their gardens. Some people love to travel. So what are you going to do with the freedom now that you have more freedom than you've ever had? And this can actually be quite challenging. It's a time of reinvention. And we don't talk about that too much, but that's why I'm saying is recognize that it's more than just about the money. The third thing is um, the third foundation of retirement wealth is family. What are you going to do with the people you love the most? How are you going to spend time with them? What are you going to do with them? How are you going to create experiences? How are you going to create memories? How are you going to leave a legacy? Uh, how can you create time with them? How do you make those relationships stronger? And as people do that in retirement, it adds so much more meaning to uh, the retirement journey. The, the fourth foundation of retirement wealth is fulfillment. 
Meaning, what are you going to do that's going to float your boat, that's going to get you excited to wake up? That's good. Maybe that's volunteering. Maybe that's uh, serving for your church on a mission. Maybe that's um, uh, riding your horse, and um, maybe it's a, a driving race car. So, you know, there's, there's so many different things that you can do for fulfillment and retirement. But when you line all, th- all four of these up, your finances with your freedom, with your family and your key relationships with fulfillment, and you line all of those things up and you recognize that retirement is much more than just about the money, retirement goes so well. So in summary now, these eight essential steps to preparing for the retirement jump is one, have a plan. Two, know how you're going to replace your income. Number three, make smart social security decisions. Number four is give every asset a job. Number five is lower your lifetime retirement tax bill. Number six is understand your Medicare and extended health care options. Number seven is begin with your legacy in mind. And number eight is recognize that it's more than just the money. All right, thanks for being me here on uh, episode 22 of the Retirement Transition Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Carl Wolston is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, an SEC-registered advisor. Thrive Retirement Planning and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by Retirement Wealth Advisors.